0: So when I was asked to preach uh, earlier this summer, began to kind of think and, and ask, "Hey Lord, what, what are you what are you stirring in me? What, what, what are you stirring in me? What what are you stirring in us this morning as a church?" And you know, I've I've heard this a few times lately, and, and I think that there's this collective sense too that's, where there's like there's something that's happening here. There's something that's happening at Calvary, that God is doing that's special. Not, not that we're more special than others. Not that, but that God is doing something here. And in saying that, we also have to guard against superiority in that. Right? Like like any sort of inkling of like, that that we're better than whoever. Or... You know, them over there or them, like whatever that is, because we know God, He actually opposes the proud. That's one of those, that's one of those scriptures where you go, like, that in itself is sobering. But, but in saying that, yes, let's embrace what God is doing here. Let's, let's embrace and let's press in. Let's, let's enjoy it. Let's, let's go deeper. Let's enjoy the sweetness of God's presence. I mean, we, we sensed it. We were immersed in it already. We were in it this morning. There's something that God is doing. There's a stirring, stirring happening amongst us. There's, there's this building of faith and expectation that is going on. And there's this desire, and I, I, I've seen it again and again, and heard about it through so many of you here, that God is wanting to reach people with the message of Jesus. And there's this desire here to see people powerfully transformed by the message of Jesus. And this, and this is all the work of the Spirit in our midst. It's all the work of the Spirit. And it's, it's beautiful, but there's this, this longing and there's this desire here for more and more of God's presence. And this is the thing about that. God loves the unity of His people. Do you know that? God loves when we are united as His people. It's something that He just absolutely loves to see. But here's the thing also about that. What God loves... Satan hates. And Satan also hates to see what's going on here. Satan does not want to see Calvary thrive. He does not want to see people reached with the love and the hope of Jesus in Steinbach and in this area. He doesn't want to see that. And so there's this reality of what's happening in the spiritual realms around us. Do you realize that? That there's actually a war that's going on. And so how does Satan seek to accomplish this in our midst? How will he seek to accomplish this? Well, he'll do it by trying to bring division. He'll do it by trying to bring offense, assumptions, reading into comments, Different personalities clashing, s- subtle stuff where it becomes about us. And so I was thinking about this, about God's desire and what He wants to build here in Calvary, and what He's doing. And I was led, and I began thinking about Ephesians 4. And you know, I'll admit, Ephesians is one of the easiest books to preach out of. Like, Ephesians is like a fastball down the middle. Like, if I don't hit this this morning, there's probably something wrong. Totally be honest, okay? It's, it's just like, Ephesians is like gold. Because Ephesians is, is like this mini little book of Paul's theological goodness that the Holy Spirit imparted to him and to us as the church, and just like, it's just like, boom, all over us. So it it tells us, Ephesians tells us of God's incredible plan to rescue us. How, How hopeless you were, and how you desperately were lost without Jesus, and yet this God's unending goodness to you to bring you back to life. And it it has some of the greatest prayers in all of scripture that are prayed over us as the church, that we would know the depths of how incredible God is towards us, that we would know the depths of His love and His power towards us, the love of God's, the love of God toward us that knows no bounds. And it reminds us that even in the midst of a fallen and broken world and our own struggles, the stuff that we deal with, the stuff that we wrestle with, that we are raised and seated in the heavenly realms in Jesus. Just, just allow that to, to kind of just settle on you. That you are raised and seated with Jesus in the heavenly realms. Does that not, when you think about that, go, that kind of blows my mind. How, how does that, like, yes, I believe that is absolute truth. How does that work? That it is the reality for us. And it says that God is at work in you and in us in ways that you can't even fathom. So anything that you've thought, anything you've prayed, anything you've hoped, any of that, whatever that is, whatever you expect, whatever you think to hope for in God, he's beyond that. That his love and his power towards you is beyond anything that you can think or imagine. That you would even think to ask for. And so it's from this reality of how God desires to be at work in us that we come to Ephesians 4. That's only the first part of Ephesians. There's still a whole other part of Ephesians yet from just all that. And so Ephesians 4 is, part of it is just, how do we live out this reality? How how do you live out this reality, this power of who God is and what he's done in you, what he wants to do in you? How do we now live this out together? How, how How does this work in our midst as the body of Christ? And so I want to talk this morning about the urgency of our unity. Ephesians 4.3 says. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. Through the bond of peace. I believe that God wants Calvary to be reminded of this in these days. That we make every effort. To keep the unity of the spirit amongst us. The, the end of Ephesians 4 warns us that we are not to grieve the Holy Spirit in our behavior towards others. Rather, it says earlier in Ephesians 2 that we are to be a dwelling where God lives by his Spirit. Where his Spirit is actually dwelling in our midst. And so, we've got to contend We've got to battle for this together. We have to check ourselves and we've got to continually surrender to Jesus. And I'm I'm gonna get I'm gonna get to the heart of the message here right off the top. I wanna just kind of note nothing hidden, nothing coming at this this is right here. This is the heart of the message that Unity, this unity, spoken of here in Ephesians 4, is really, 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 I don't know how many really's you could add, crucial. That's my conviction when I read Ephesians 4. God longs to dwell. He longs to be with us as His people. He longs to be in our midst. He longs to see unity flourishing. He longs to be blessing that, growing that. But our our selfishness and our self-interest have a way of getting in the way of what God wants to do. Maybe that's just me. Is that that just me? No? Some of you feel that too sometimes? Like we're like... I I myself get in the way of what God wants to do? Verse 3 tells us that this unity is key. And I know it says there, make every effort. I should open up my Bible. I should have, I should be opening already to Ephesians, shouldn't I? My mom's here this morning, by the way. <laughs> so if you hear a few of these comments, it's okay, a few of you want to add in a few other comments, let's go ahead. <laughs> you know, it says there, make every effort. I don't know, though, that we really understand how emphatic that word is there, because it, it has this meaning there in the Greek, and not to get all complicated here, but it has this meaning of sparing no effort and this ongoing commitment. It's meant to involve every part of us. It's this passionate sort of idea here in the text of, it's your initiative. Be all in. Mean it. The wording here is to be absolutely clear, don't ignore this. Don't skip over Ephesians 4 verse 3 and think that somehow this isn't important in the body of Christ. Be all in. There's an urgency here. There's this urgency that this would be an ongoing, visible part of who we are as the church together. So we, we made the decision. We, uh, we put up a pool this spring. We had been kind of kicking it back and forth for a number of years. A couple of you here, a few of you here helped us. And uh, actually, I was just asked this morning if that gives them uh, privileges to come and use the pool whenever they see fit without any invitation. But anyone, and the reason for that is anyone who has put up a pool knows that the base of a pool, again above ground, is critical. You have to get your base, you have to get your foundation right. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I watched videos, I had sort of, and videos make it look all nice cut and clean and it's so, it looks so easy. And then you get into it, and we, we did the calculations, we did the math, we said okay, we need about three and a half yards of quarter down, and no, I wasn't gonna bring in a skid steer because that would have wrecked my lawn. So, we were gonna wheelbarrow this all. I've got four kids. So, so we start wheelbarrowing it in. Three and a half. It's, I mean, I've done a lot more soil. Three and a half yards of quarter down is a decent amount. We ordered five yards, just to be sure. Well, we get all five down, and I'm using a laser level, and I don't have what I need yet. Realize, like, this, this is this base is not what it needs to be yet. So I consulted some experts who are way better than me, and I'm like, what's going on? Well, you need more. I, I, I literally, I said, no, tell, please don't tell me I need more gravel. No, you need more gravel, Paul. So, and I'm doing this in May when we had that ridiculous heat wave and we haven't had heat since, like that since then. <laughs> so I'm doing this in like 35 degrees and I'm like, and the pool's not up. So we ended up laying six and a half yards of gravel finally get it level, but you know, there there was numerous challenges along the way, and I won't go into it, but there was times where I'm, I was there, and I'm like, and my wife knows this, <laughs> where I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I'm really done. I just don't want to do this. And then I'd have to pause. Okay, let's keep continuing on. Being eager to maintain the unity of the spirit with others, I think, can feel like that at times, where you're like, "I I just don't want to continue. I'm, I'm done. I'm tapping out." I'm sure that several of us have had those experiences here this morning. I've had those experiences. There are those of us here I know that come out of very difficult church experiences and have found life in Calvary. And we know what disunity feels and looks like. It's ugly and it's gross and it just, it feels, ugh. Many of us here have had those experiences at one time or another in the church. This isn't lost on me. I, I'm standing up here after our family made the difficult and painful decision to resign and to leave the church that we had pastored for over 10 years. And, and yes, it was the right decision, but it was agonizing. Like walking this stuff out in the church is anything but easy. Many of us, you like, yeah, I already know that, Paul. There are those of us who are sitting here and we're going, I, I have had painful, painful experiences when it comes to unity or disunity in the church. So we got to be upfront about that. We've got to be real about that. Stuff that we've got to walk through. Well, I want to examine two questions this morning. One... How do we keep the unity of the Spirit? What does Ephesians 4 tell us? Second, what does the unity of the Spirit do? And so you can, if you have your Bibles with you or if you have a phone, you can read with me. We're going to read the first part of Ephesians 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Embrace humility, gentleness, and patience. It says here in the text to be completely humble and gentle. Don't you wish it says something like, try to be humble and gentle if you feel like it? Like, honestly, be completely humble and gentle, really. No, no, I I really only want to do that when I kind of feel like it. Be patient and bear with others in love. Oh, no, no, oh, no, no, wait, wait, no, 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 it says bear with one another in love. So people have to bear with you. No, I thought it was just about others. No, 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 people have to bear with you, Paul. See, so hang around anyone long enough, and there's going to be things about that person that are going to begin to grate on you. That's what the first two mar- years of marriage is like. Because of me. We begin to nitpick other people's faults. We get annoyed. And we typically extend far more grace and understanding to ourselves than to other people. It's about them. Matthew 11, there's this invitation from Jesus where he says to come and find rest in me. He says, come and find rest in me. And then he introduces himself there and he says, I am gentle and and humble in heart. You know that the way of Jesus, at the very foundation of who Jesus is, is humble, humility, and gentleness. I've, I've been known at times to kind of be intense at times in my life. It's kind of a one of those things that's, that's um, been the label on me at times, having to try to grow in that. Any of you who have competed against me in fantasy football or watched me watch football will uh, attest to this. I'm I'm principled by nature. I'm not shy about sharing my convictions. And, you know, the thing is, at times that kind of gets in the way of humility and gentleness. That's (laughs) I have to be in intentional about that. So here's, here's the problem, right, in the, this thing about humility and gentleness. Our nature is the exact opposite. Right? So then we go, well, th- is this all just about human effort? Is this all just about like really gritting our teeth and like, I got to try to be more humble. I got to try to be more gentle. I just have to make more of an effort. Jesus says in Matthew 11 there, he says, come to me. See, because apart from the work of Jesus in our hearts, we are going to go to pride and self-preservation. That's one reason why we are so desperate for the Holy Spirit in our midst. All over Ephesians, if you read through Ephesians, just go through it, is this prayer and, and constant this seeing this need for the Holy Spirit to be at work in us. It is. It's all throughout the book. It says in Ephesians 3:16 that there's a prayer there it says that we we'd be strengthened with power in your inner being. you know why? you cannot do this in your own strength you can try you can really really try but we can't do it. so how do we do this how, how do you embrace complete humility and gentleness? How do you be patient? How do you bear with others and one another in love? How do we do this? We surrender to Jesus. We invite the Holy Spirit to work in us and we join in the process. And we go, God, I really, really, really need your help. See, the thing is that we, we are immersed in a culture we're swimming in a culture that is the exact opposite of this. Where very few embrace this. We are all about self-sufficiency. We're all about self-promotion. I encounter this every single day when I interact with people in the business world. Every single day, it is about self-sufficiency, self-promotion, and about me, myself, and I getting ahead. Sometimes it's veiled. But it's there. And so we are in the midst of a hurting and broken world that does not know how to do this. And people are meant to experience and encounter Jesus through you and through me. And so this thing of humility and gentleness Patience, making room for others. It's got to be the foundation for any sustainable and real unity to be built. Whatever we seek to do visibly, whatever it is, church, these qualities have to be the foundation of who we are. Second house, do we keep the unity of the Spirit? We remember our oneness verses four to six. you know the early church had significant hurdles to overcome when it came to unity in the early church. matt's message last week this whole that whole thing about Barnabas and Paul and Mark where Barnabas and Paul had a sharp disagreement in Acts 15, that had the potential to absolutely rip apart the early church leadership. You, you could see when you read that and you, and you kind of get a sense of what was happening and going on there, that that could have led the church to splinter in many different directions. And then you have the, the Jew and the Gentile issue. You have Paul opposing Peter to his face in Galatians 2. You have all this stuff going on. There's this hypocrisy going on in various groups. You have certain early parts, um, groups in the early church who are coming to other Gentile believers and saying, you have to embrace all of what Judaism is if you're going to follow Jesus. If you don't, you're not true followers of Jesus. There's all this stuff circulating around the early church. It had the potential to blow up. And yeah, it's not lost on me. I know church history is in itself messy and ugly when we look through the the years. The point is though is that this issue is at the forefront of the New Testament. It's right here in Ephesians. It's right in Ephesians 2, this whole thing of unity. How do we be built together? How do we become a dwelling place for God's spirit to be amongst us? Our unity is crucial. And yes, this, this does speak to the wider church as well. It, it does. And it's so difficult, right, when pride manifests and churches embrace cultural ideologies that contradict scripture. This is not unity at all costs. There actually are lines to be drawn in the sand when it comes to unity. The thing is at Calvary is that our backgrounds here are are so varied, so many different experiences and environments I think that's that's part of the beauty of what god's trying to do here in our midst this this joining and this building of us together to be this dwelling place for god's presence and, that, and that's the thing we 're going to have differing opinions at time in the church there's, there's going to be times where we we feel things with great conviction. We may even have sharp disagreements at times. I, I come to Calvary with my own experiences. I've grew, I grew up in Salt and Light since the early 90s. Our family felt called to go to Landmark in 2012 to pastor a church that had recently joined Salt and Light about a couple years before that. And, and even in that, leaving Gateway in Winnipeg was, was really difficult for us. It was hard. And, and what was beautiful, though, about being in Landmark is that over the last 11 years, these relationships with Calvary began to grow and to be built. We began to, to build relationships with leadership. We began to build relationships with other people in the congregation here. And, and I, I, personally, Jess and I just came to love so many people here. And I, and I saw the heart of this church, I saw the integrity of its leadership. Saw the way that they led. And and then early this year our time in Landmark came to an end. And, and as I shared, it was it was painful. It was it was agonizing for us. Probably one of the most difficult times and situations of my life. And the realization was that we could no longer continue pastoring. And so then God graciously provided another job for me to transition into and here we are and Calvary has become home we we've we've felt that God has clearly spoken to us saying this is your home and I'm 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 so blessed to be under the leadership of this church it is it is an absolute gift to be under the leadership of this church there's something profound Happening here. So let's commit to remember and celebrate what unites us in Jesus, not what could potentially divide us. What what unites us here? We have the same Father who's over all and through all, and He's in us. We have the same Lord Jesus. This is all about Jesus. This is all about the glory and, the mag- and, and magnifying and lifting up the name of Jesus. Okay, I want to, this morning I want to end on two other questions and that is, what does the unity of the Spirit do in us? So verse 13 to 17. And this is within the context of verse 12 where it talks about the body of Christ being built up. It says in verse 13, Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So the first thing that unity, the unity of the Spirit does in us is it pushes us to Jesus. It's, it's, it's about more and more and more of Jesus. It's about His maturity and His fullness in us. It's this thing that, that the Spirit, from Ephesians 1.17, there's this prayer that God would give us the Spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we would know Him better. It's this thing about relationship and connection. And the Holy Spirit does this personally. And He does it, it's about doing it together. You know, I had I had this in my notes here because I have been so impacted by this. And then Greg, you did it this morning. But this thing of singing over one another—it's profound. I don't know. I think it's happened three times now since we've been here. Maybe maybe more. I I have been just utterly blessed, overcome, if you will by us as the body of Christ declaring things over one another and just blessing and showering one another with the love of God. I know it's a small thing, but it's a profound act that does something. You know why? Because there's more and more and more and more of where that came from. We, we live in a culture of hyper individualism, right? We're like it's it's all about you. It's all about your truth. Just it's all about you. But that's not what Scripture says. It's not what Ephesians 4 here says. Ephesians 4 says actually it's about the body. It's about us together. It's about what God wants to do in us together, to push us to Jesus, to make us more like Jesus. Colossians 2, it's the sister book to Ephesians, and in Colossians 2, it, it speaks there of how there's going there's captive ideologies, there's, there's other ideologies and philosophies that are going to seek to take us captive, to deceive us and, and draw us away from who Jesus is. Spiritual forces opposed to the way of Jesus. And it says there in Colossians 2 that in Jesus, all the fullness of God dwells in bodily form. All of it. In Christ, it says, you have been brought to fullness. Continue to live your lives in Him. So, one of the ways we do this is we hold true to what Scripture says. We don't, we don't compromise the truth for deceptive ideologies. We hold to this book. We hold to Jesus. All right. What else does the unity of the Spirit do? So it pushes us to Jesus and it builds us up in love. Verses 15 and 16. There's this incredible picture here of our connection to Christ. but how we're joined and held together by every corresponding ligament. Do you know that the, the human body has over 900 ligaments in it? That's a lot of ligaments. I have no idea what they all are. They're like, I looked up a little bit this week and it's like, there's a lot. And uh for those of you that are doctors or far more equipped in this room than me in this I'm sure that you know far more. But there's this ma- it's a massive support network through our bodies and it's they're all intricately working together. And and so what I, I pulled this definition, a ligament is a fibrous connective tissue that attaches bone to bone and usually serves to hold structures together and keep them stable. Do you know this is the thing? When one of your ligaments in your body isn't working properly—if it's torn, it's strained, it's loose, whatever—if something in your body, in your ligaments, is not working right, you know it. You immediately know it. I, I've got one ligament, and I'm not—I won't go into issues for sake of time. But I've got one ligament in my one knee. That's—I've got, got all sorts of issues. I cannot my side-to-side motion now playing sports is massively compromised because of what's going on in my one knee due to age and degenerative stuff and wonderful, awesome stuff as you get older. Sucks. Because I used to be this phenomenal athlete. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, that's the thing. One ligament, and you know when things aren't right. And it says in Colossians, in Christ all things hold together. The growth of ligaments in the body is actually extraordinary. You know that our MCL in the first 18 months, from birth to 18 months old, the MCL grows about one and a half to two inches alone. And the same is meant to be experienced here amongst us in our Midst. It says here that as we are joined together, as there is this unity of the Spirit happening, as we are joined, as we are like these ligaments that are joined together, we are all meant to be growing and built up together in the Lord. It's just, it's just a phenomenal picture of what God wants to do with us as people. But ligaments, like I, my knee... Ligaments can be damaged. The human body feels it. So do church bodies. And yeah, ligaments can heal. Ligaments can actually grow back. But it's a process. Some may require surgery. Then you get scar tissue. And then you get the corresponding effects of what scar tissue can do to you. I wonder how many of us here feel like we have scar tissue from wounds that have happened to us in the church. And this is what I feel. I feel like Calvary is meant to be a place for people to heal and to come into alignment with Jesus. To be knit into this body, to be part of the very structure of this body and to grow and to heal And to be built up and to know that you are an important, integral part of the body of Christ. And we are meant to be working together. We are meant to be joined in a way that is so profoundly beautiful. There's a lot here. I'm going to have to skip over some of this. But... um, Says there, it talks about speaking the truth in love. Just a, a really quick note on that. That's not so much about speaking per se. It is. It involves speaking, but it's actually that the word there means truthing, and and, and, and it has this idea of that it's maintaining, living, and doing the truth. It's not just speaking. It's like the, the, the everything about us would be about truthing. That that we would just carry. The truth of Jesus and who he is in us. And this is where it's important, right? Because truth without love or love without truth leaves us out of alignment with the living head. Truth without love ends in pride, arrogance and harshness. Love without truth becomes all about us. It becomes all about our desires. And it gets really weird really quickly. Okay, I want to end on this. Ephesians 4.16 says there that through Jesus we are joined and we are held together. That, that word there for held, it's also in Colossians 2.19 where it talks about us being knit together through its joints and ligaments. And that word there for ligaments in Colossians 2, just track with me here, is the same word as Ephesians 4.3 where it talks about the bond of peace. That bond there is the word for sinew or ligament. So this thing about make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond, the ligament of peace. We are knit together. There is this this thing where we are meant to be joined. The peace between us that produces and maintains our unity, it comes through our connection to the living head. To Jesus. Who's the source of all peace? Who is the source of all things? Who do we need to be aligned to? Who do we need to be connected to? It's all about Jesus. You know, and this, this thing is, this thing about unity, this thing about being built up in unity, it is meant to, so that we would be built up in love. That love would be at the very core of who we are as a body. That when people would look at us, they'd be like, there's something different about you. You're, are you a disciple of Jesus? They, they, probably, they won't use those terms. Right? But what did Jesus say? You shall be known. They will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. You you know, when people would look at us, people would look at Calvary Church, if what they see is our people that radically and powerfully and authentically loves one another that alone is an incredible incredible witness it w- it will change things so I'll, I'll draw back to this to close what is god's desire for us that we would be a dwelling place for His Spirit. That God would come and He would dwell with us as His people. That we would know the sweetness of His presence. that we would know that hope that he has called us to, that we would know the power at work within us, that we would know the love of God being poured out in our midst without measure, that we would not even be able to measure or weigh or get a handle on how much the love of God is for us and with us. So I'm going to call the band up. I want to... uh, as we end, I want to invite you to respond in a couple of different ways here. First, if, if you are here and you don't know Jesus and you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, or maybe you're like, you know what I, I don't know that I've, I've I need to commit my life to him. I want to invite you to do that this morning. I want to invite you to surrender to jesus i want to invite you to come and experience the life of jesus and we'd love to pray with you after for that love to to have you come up we'd love to talk about that and to pray over you and to pray with you here's the second thing i want to do and and uh, i was, was thinking about this last night i was debating whether or not we should do this but i want to invite all of us to stand if uh if you're willing And I want to ask us collectively, I want to pray that God would grow us in our love for one another. I want to ask that that God would do something even beyond what He's already been doing in our midst. That there would be something happening here. So God, I want to ask right now as we're all here, Lord, that you would grow our unity. Lord, that you would strengthen us. God, that you would do a tremendous work of your spirit. That in us, there would be this work of growth in humility and gentleness and patience. Lord, that we would be bearing with one another. Lord, that, that as all of us have stuff where we need others to bear with us. Lord, that there would be this supernatural work happening in our midst. Lord, that you'd be growing and working unity in our midst. God, we long for you to dwell with us. We long for more and more and more of your spirit to be amongst us. Lord, I also pray that you would heal those wounds in us. Lord, that we have for where we have experienced the exact opposite in churches. Lord, we've, we have not felt unity, but disunity. Jesus, would you be at work? Would you be healing us?